we're finally getting to the heart of this idea of up and up. Uh, it's taken us a few weeks to get here. Uh, this was going to just be uh, a one-week talk that the Lord kind of grew into, uh, a multi-week talk. And we're finally getting to this idea, and that idea of up and up, right? Like, well, old Joe Bob, he's just an up and up kind of guy, right? Like, that's a thing we say, right? What does that mean? I have absolutely no idea. Up and up. Like, I don't even know. But we're like, hey, mister, you keep it on the up and up. You hear me? Like, I don't even know what it means. But I, I do want to explain what it means for us. <laughs> While I don't know what it uh, means for Mr. To, to keep it on up and up, what it means for us is this idea that because God is calling us up, which is what we talked about the last two weeks, because of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, we respond by pressing on to live up. <laughs> Not to live up to a standard, no, 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 but to, to ride the momentum of the beautiful, glorious call of God. To, to cooperate with God, what, what God is doing in our life. Not to live up to a standard, not to earn some kind of standing with God. We're invited up. It's this idea that Jesus has done all the work and he has paid all the price and invited us into like the penthouse and we're still maybe choosing to live on the sidewalk. <laughs> right? It, it's this idea. Christ has done the work. He's called us up. Let, let's get in on what God's doing and respond by living that direction. This morning we, we turn to, I think, a more practical tone to what, where we've been heading the last three weeks. And this morning is going to be a real different kind of, of sermon than, than I'm used to doing because instead of sticking in one text, we're, we're going to actually bounce around a little bit in the book of Ephesians uh, to kind of look at what I believe God's calling his people to in this moment. And I thought about calling this morning's talk, moving on up, but I, that's just weird. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to keep it on the up and up because we don't know what that means. So we talked about this idea that the Apostle Paul was like, man, I have every reason to be proud of what I've accomplished spiritually. And I count that as nothing. As a matter of fact, all the stuff in my life is a loss. I count all things but rubbish, all things but dung compared to gaining Christ. Compared to, to having more of Jesus, to knowing him more and the power of his resurrection, even sharing in his suffering so that we can become like him in his death. And, and we desire this, but the Apostle Paul says, man, we have not arrived. And I believe with all my heart, I have not arrived. I believe you have not arrived. I believe we as a people, this church has not arrived. God is not done with what he wants to do here. Some days I wonder if he's even hardly started. I think there's so much that, that God's doing right now under the surface. And let me just say this. There's never been a moment in 11 and a half years that I've been more excited about what I think God's about to do in our midst than I am today. I believe God's not done. We have not arrived the Apostle Paul said, but this is what I do. I'm forgetting what's behind, the successes and the failures, and I'm pressing on. I'm reaching forward. And all of that led to finally the springboard is verse 14 of Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul said, I press on. Again, that language of pressing on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That there is a call of God on our life, and that call is not just to limp forward through life, but it is an upward call. And, and that idea of the call of God also reflects back to the last text that we walked through. For those of you that were worshiping with, worshiping with us online uh, during the humility series when we were in First Peter chapter 5, uh, we, we ended that series that, that part of what humility does is it reminds us that life's not just all about us. It's also not just about this moment, that it's about the next life. 
And, and we ended that study in First Peter chapter 5 with verse number 10 that says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory, this temporary suffering is being overridden, governed by, and not temporary, an eternal call of God towards his glory. This is the work that God's doing. This, this call on our life is the eternal thing. All the stuff that fills our schedule and often fills our frets and our worries and our hurts is the temporary stuff. It's the call of God that's eternal. And this God of all grace, as he's calling us, is in, him, in his grace. He himself, he will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This is the work of God in his call on us. He's calling us up. One of the most comforting verses in all of the Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good. And often we only quote that part of the verse. It's real important that we keep quoting. Because that hope of everything being worked together for good belongs to a certain group of people, to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Those who are living out the love of God by walking in the calling are watching God redeem and, re- and, 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 and make good out of every situation in life. That's the upward call of God. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. But he didn't just hear us, he brought me up. Out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet on a rock and established my goings, put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it in fear and put their trust in God. That's the lifting up of God. Psalm 3, verse 3 declares to God. I love when Psalms tell God who he is. You, O God, are my glory and my shield and the lifter of my head. There's this upward momentum where God is calling his people forward. That's the first up of the up and up. This morning we focus on the second up, and that is because God's done all the work to call us up, how do we press on to move up with him? So please grab your Bible this morning. Uh, We're going to declare our creed together before we dive in and look at a, a couple different verses in the book of Ephesians. So grab your Bibles, hold them up in the air, and let's say this together with some fire and conviction this morning. Ready? The Bible is the Word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple verses in Ephesians 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6. But we're going to start this morning. In Ephesians chapter 4, and for those of you who are note takers and, and you want to be able to follow along, here's the idea this morning. Because Christ has done all the work to call us up, we press on to six things. Here's the first one. We press on to grow up. Verse number 14, uh, 15 rather, of Ephesians chapter 4. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we had, a year ago... Uh, We were in a series out of this text called Truth and Love. 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That God is calling us forward. And and we only are going to start here for just a second to say this. This again is that idea of the fact that we're not there yet. When it comes to our spiritual life, if we are content, we are deceived. If you're okay with where you're at in your spiritual growth, the enemy is lulling us to sleep. That I think the, that the, the joy of following Christ is he satisfies us and leaves us hungry for more. Until we look exactly like Jesus. And I've looked in the mirror, and I don't look like Jesus. And I'm standing here looking there, and you don't look like Jesus. we got growth, right? We, we've got room to grow. And he's calling us to grow up. That There's this constant maturing and growing thing that we're not there yet, that we're hungry to know him more, to grow in him more. But here's the thing about that growth. We can't actually make ourselves grow the way we want to. I remember as the youngest of three boys, I'm the shortest of the three of us. My whole life I wanted to be taller than them. My my mission from the time that I was old enough to pay attention was I want to be taller than them. And it never happened. (laughs) No matter how bad I wanted that to be the case, it just never happened. Because I can't make myself do that. But it's this idea of, of thinking, man, I want to grow more muscles. Well, here's the thing. You can't snap your fingers and be like, I'm Dwayne Johnson. Like, it doesn't work that way. If I've been trying. I keep snapping and snapping and it doesn't work. Right? Like, it just doesn't happen that way. See, we can't make ourselves grow that way. We're dependent on the work of God outside of us. But what we can do is we can avoid the things that hurt our growth, and we can practice the things that help our growth. Here's what I mean. A kid can't make himself be stronger than his brother, but he can exercise and eat his vegetables. Right? And for us, that's the idea of the spiritual disciplines. <laughs> like, I... I can't make myself all of a sudden become as wise as the Apostle Paul. Like, there's no magic button. But I can discipline myself to let God's Word change the way I think, change the way I see the world, change the way I relate to the people closest to me. Notice I didn't just say read a verse a day. No, let God's Word get in my heart and change the way I process my existence on the planet. I can do that. And, and not just, oh, pray. No, connect with God in a conversation. That changes. That's eating your veggies. Only I have found it's way more tasteful to connect with God. Broccoli's disgusting. But Jesus is good. That's, that should have been the sermon title. Broccoli's gross, but Jesus is good. That'll preach. There's the tweet. Right, anyways. He calls us. Because he's calling us up, he's calling us to press on, to grow up. Here's the second thing that he's calling us on. Because he's done the work to call us up, we press on to build up. Which is the next verse, that that we're growing up into Christ from whom the whole body joined and helped together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, when each part is growing up walking in their calling, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up 
in love. Because God has called us up, we're supposed to be the builders, not the people who tear down and burn down. And right now, we're living in a world where every direction I look, we are tearing everything down. We are burning everybody down. We are tearing everybody down. And the people of God who are growing up in Him are supposed to be the builders. We're supposed to be the ones who are pouring our lives out because we're growing up in Christ and because He's done all the work to call us up. We want to build other people up. Because maybe if we build them up, they'll find their upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are called to be the builders. The most repeated phrase that the Apostle Paul uses to the local church, to the New Testament church, to describe what we're supposed to do is building up. More than he talks about getting together, he talks about building up. More than he talks about having buildings, he talks about building people. More than he talks about singing songs, he talks about building people. More than he talks about listening to sermons, he talks about building people. The work of the church, the work of those who are called up, is to build up one another. As a matter of fact, church, if we would do the work of church in today's culture, we would actually shine as light in the darkness. What this world needs to see is the unicorns who are like, I want to love people who think different than me. You don't vote the same, and I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. What? I didn't know that was possible. We are the builders. If we're walking in the upward call, then the way we relate to one another is going to be to build one another up. The Apostle Paul tells the church at Rome, Romans 14, verse 19, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Man, what if that's what we were pursuing? We are chasing after what builds people up. In the next chapter, Romans fifteen twelve, he says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. The reason that's important, the reason both of those verses are important to the church at Rome, he's just telling you, hey, the job inside the church is to build one another up. And the job to your neighbor is to build him up too. Maybe you didn't get that. So the person who believes everything you believe and votes the way you vote and thinks the way you think and maybe has the same color skin as you, build them up. And then the person who's different than you, build them up too. See, God's call for his people isn't different based on the things that we think are common. If we're walking in the upward call of God, here's who we want to build up. Only the people who bear the image of God. Which is everybody, if you didn't know that. That we are the people who build up, not tear down. He tells the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build one another up. And then he tells them, which you're already doing. Isn't that cool? Like the Apostle Paul is a pretty harsh dude. And he's like, good job. <laughs> like, oh, this is noteworthy. He's complimenting somebody. And, and what he's complimenting them about is not you've got all the answers right to all the theological questions. You're building one another up. The church at Corinth was a disaster. I mean, a disaster. Perversion, totally messed up theology. I mean, they weren't even preaching Jesus right, let alone all the other stuff. And this is what the Apostle Paul says to them, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Let all things be done for building up. 
build one another up. And here's why I'm parking here, y'all. 65 days from this morning will be the 2020 election. For the next 65 days, in our little circle, I don't think there's a celebrity in the room. Okay. I mean, Neil's here, but like, he thinks he's a big deal. But like, for all of us normal folks just doing normal life, just in our little circles, can we commit for the next 65 days to let the trajectory of the upward, eternal, glorious call of God in Christ Jesus to have its work in such a way that we build people up around us? What if for the next nine and a half weeks... We lived out the work that God was doing in us. What if the upward call of God isn't just for me to enjoy, it's for me to display? Like, yay me, I'm in the upward call of God. No, I believe that's supposed to change the way we interact with the world around us. I'm mind blown at the hostility I see among people who claim to be the people of God surrounding this election, surrounding COVID-19, surrounding racial tensions. I am seeing so much hate from people who claim to be followers of Jesus. And I'm just here to tell you, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus has not called me to build a party, a political party. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus actually has nothing to do with the United States of America. It's not about Republicans or Democrats. It's about the kingdom of God. And I want to spend my life trying to build up the kingdom of God in people. Why would I build a wall between somebody? Because they vote for a different person than me. They are going to spend eternity somewhere. That joker is going to spend four years in the White House. Not that they're jokers. That was disrespectful. And I did not mean to say that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I I just... (laughs) Whatever. So Here's the deal. I'm just going to say this. I... Am I going to say this? I'm going to say this. So, the church experts are saying that they think people are going to leave churches a lot during this season. Because they've been watching a church that fits their style better. And one of the things that they've said is, if you've got people in your church who wish you talked about Trump every Sunday, they might go find a church that does. And I'm just here to tell you, my opinion about the job that Donald Trump has done has nothing to do with my calling as your shepherd. I'm not here to talk about him. I'm here to talk about Jesus. And I want to build you up beyond an election. And I don't think the hope of the world lies in the 2020 presidential election. Now, I do think there's a lot at stake, and we can have a lot of conversations about that. It's just not as important to me as eternity. And I'm not going to build walls and destroy relationships that have eternal consequences over an election. I'm not going to do it. My email is drife at templefw.com. I love you. What if we as the people of God would commit for the nine and a half weeks ahead of us? Well, 
and for the, probably the several weeks that everybody's going to be upset afterwards. <laughs> so for the next 12 weeks, until there's something new to talk about or fight about. What if we just committed? I'm going to be a builder, not a destroyer. Because to, to join in the upward call of God means to press on, break a sweat, to grow up. And the first way we display that is to build up. And we display this building up through two ways. This is point number three if you're taking notes. And the first one is by talking up. Look farther down in the text, verse number 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. If you grew up the way that I grew up, you were told this meant don't say this list of words. Right? We were taught that sometimes by people who were super condemning, judgmental, pharisaical, and gossipy. Which means we don't know what corrupting talk means. Because corrupting talk is about way more than your list of words. Because we have to read the rest of the verse to understand what the heart of Jesus is when it comes to corrupting talk. Here's the only kind of talk that the people of God are called to, but only. That's a big, like, circle it, underline it. Like, only. The only talk he desires to come out of those who are in the upward call of God is such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. Like the most extraordinary thing in the universe, the grace of God. Yeah, let's talk that. How incredible is that? So this idea of building up isn't just a heart thing. It's not just a, I want to have a better heart towards people. It's supposed to change the way we talk to them. Twice in the last two weeks, my boys have been with me when we've gone through a drive through and have had somebody just be nice. Like, over the top, and it wasn't at Chick-fil-A. It was shocking. And they were just like, pleasant. And it's bizarre that that felt weird. You know, like we can get real negative on that. Like, what a shame that somebody being nice feels so strange. Or we can be inspired by that and say, look how many times a day I have that opportunity to just talk in such a way that my encounter with them might be the only taste of grace they've ever had. And if I'm in the upward eternal call of God in Christ Jesus, I can certainly say, good morning. I hope you're doing okay. Isn't it amazing? Me and a friend were at lunch the other day. And I had taken my mask off as we were walking to the truck. And all of a sudden we were this close to a family who all had their masks on in the parking lot. And I felt really bad. Because, oh, you all have your masks on and I don't. And I'm about to get the stink eye. Right? And so I did what any good Christian would do. I ducked my head and just dodged them. And this mother goes, you're okay. I know you're fine. It's hot out here. Have a great day. And I'm like, I love you. Where do you go to church? Like that we would just speak grace. That our words aren't neutral. Proverbs says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And this morning, 
I'm not going to rewrite scripture. But if you'll let me, I just want to say up and down is in the power of the tongue. We're either talking down or we're talking up. If we're walking in the upward call, then let's talk up. Here's the next thing I want us to look at. And you've got to hear me out on this because if somebody just like clips this, it's going to sound like I'm throwing in the towel. My challenge to you this morning is to give up. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, this is a heavy verse, be imitators of God. Wow, that raised the bar quick. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Right? You're out with somebody and you see their kids and you're like, oh my goodness, it's mini me. You know? Like they look exactly like their parents. That's literally what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Like the goal is for people to be like, oh, you're God's little kid, aren't you? Look at you. Be imitators of God. Well, what does that look like? Okay, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If I'm truly experiencing Christ has done all the work to call me up into eternal glory, eternal glory then I'm, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to grow up in that calling. I'm pressing on to build up. I'm pressing on to talk up. Don't just feel build up. Actually open my mouth and speak life. And then to give up. As Christ gave himself up for us, I'm to lay my life down for others. And I don't mean give up as in stop fighting. I mean give up as in let's be sacrificial. Jesus, the one who had all of the rights in the world, laid them down. Gave himself up for us. There's been three times in the last week that someone in our church has asked me how someone else in our church was doing. Because this is just a weird season, isn't it? Like They're like, I haven't seen them in six months, you know, because I haven't seen anybody in six months. They're like, so how's so-and-so doing? And it was, it was so weird. In each of those three encounters, the conversation ended up revolving to, man, that person's just such a servant, aren't they? What a testimony to y'all. Like, man, that person is just the guy, and this is the phrase I use, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but they're the kind of person that just grabs the other end of the table. You know, you're trying to drag the table and all of a sudden you feel somebody pick up the other end and you look up and it's one of those people. I got you. That's a mark of people who are growing up in Christ. We had an awesome time at the clay shoot yesterday. Hey, David had fun. There you go. Welcome back, David Lopez, to church. So my favorite part of the day yesterday, other than watching my sons have a good time and getting to hang out with some of my favorite people, was watching Ronnie Croy every time there was dead time, just go grab a broom and start Cleaning up the shelves. Nobody asked him to do that. It wasn't his property. Hey, how can I help? I'm just telling you, here's the deal. That looks more like Jesus than standing up and preaching a sermon. If we really are on the upward call, we should be the people who are laying our lives down. How can I serve you? How can I help you? What can I do for you? And, and 
My grief in this is I feel like this is the most glaring season of taking I've ever seen in my life. We are only worried about ours. Like, I got my job. I don't care about what? Like, as a people, we're so turned in on ourselves right now. But if we're being called up by Jesus, then I think what he's calling us to do is to lay our lives down just like his son did. I do think it's important to, we can't talk about giving up and not talk specifically to the husbands in the room and the husbands online for just a minute. Because this phrase is repeated in this chapter in verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The husbands are called to lay their lives down the way that Christ did. How can I be a servant? It's interesting that he didn't command wives to do that. Because most women I know are more servants in their hearts than most men are. We had to be reminded. He had to point us to Jesus. Oh, I should probably help. That if we're growing up in Christ, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus calls us to lay our life down. To sacrifice, to serve. Here's the next up and up. Because the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, we're also called to train up. And now I just want to talk to the parents for just a minute. We, many of us, when we were young, we memorized Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up. A child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. The ESV says, even when he's old, he won't depart from it. And by the way, this verse is not like a guarantee that we can cash in. I put my kids in Christian school, so they will always be just perfect. That's not what this verse means. This verse is actually way more about parenting than it is the end game. It's a challenge to parents to continue to point our kids towards the up and up, towards Christ himself. Towards truth. And, and so this, this, that verse came to my mind 15 months ago when I read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. They have enough already on their own. They don't need your help. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So where this sermon series started from was 15 months ago, last May. The word up just hopped out of this verse for me. And I started thinking about the direction of parenting. We have three options as parents. We can parent down. Always talking down, always beating our kids up for every single thing, nitpicking everything to death. That'd be parenting down. And in discipline and instruction, sometimes it does feel that way. There are times in correction that it feels like, wow, this is such harsh correction that it feels like we are parenting down here for a second. Discipline isn't enjoyable in the moment. And instruction isn't always well received, especially if they think they know everything. Hashtag teenagers. But he doesn't call us to parent down. But he also doesn't call us to parent beside. Because just as much as I see parenting down, I do see parenting beside where the goal of parenting almost seems to be I want a buddy who's just smaller than me. 
Like, I don't want to ever tell them anything. I don't want to correct them because they're going to be mad. I, I don't want them to not think that I'm the cool parent. I don't. I think our society is actually suffering from a lack of parenting. It's some of what we're seeing right now. We're seeing those kids. I don't mean this ugly. We're seeing those kids from the supermarket floor voting and like having jobs now. Because it was more concerned that the parent got along than the parent brought them up in the, in the, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so the option, I can parent down, I can parent too, or I can parent up. My goal, my, my goal as a parent is to just get you to look towards Jesus. Like for, for, for our kids to find their upward call of God away from the temporary. And man, temporary is screaming at our young people that they might hear the eternal, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That parenting isn't down, isn't beside, but is up. And, and here's the thing. We can tell a whole lot about our kids' posture when we talk to them, can't we? Right? Because I've never experienced this. But some parents have told me that they've told their teenager something and they've gone, oh. I mean, I've never, like I saw it in a movie. You can tell a lot about posture, right? Slump down, rolling the eyes, you're laughing way too hard at that. You can tell a lot about posture. But I think we can tell a whole lot about direction, too. When the tone of a home is down, it's heading. And when the tone of a home is just beside, like repairs, it's chaos. But I believe if we'll train them up, when they're old, they won't depart from it. So we've got one last up here, and then we'll be done. So because Christ has done all the work to call us up in Christ Jesus, we press on. We press on on to grow up and to build up to talk up to give up and to train up and here's the last one that I, that I want us to look at for just a minute this morning and that is to lift up we're going to leave the book of Ephesians for just a minute Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 two are better than one because they have a good reward for the toil they can get more done together right but then this is powerful. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. And then I love this. It's like the King James English here, but woe. <laughs> woe. Woe to him who's alone when he falls. He doesn't have another to lift him up. I believe we need each other. Right now, as we've isolated and we've withdrawn, necessarily, understandably, I'm just telling you that, that there's a breaking point at which time we say, man, I've kept enough distance. I need some other people in my life. And maybe not everybody. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm grieving the tension of most people don't seem to want to have a lot of people in their home or go to somebody else's home and whatever. But like, I feel like we need community groups right now. Like I'm losing my mind. I, you know, I, I get that it's not time today. I'm, I'm trying to trust the Lord and all that. But for me, I feel like we need it more than we've ever needed it. We need the one another's. Like we just need to lift each other up. And so if we can't do that sitting in a living room, my encouragement is pick up the phone. Call somebody. How can I pray for you? How's it going? You doing okay? Do you need to vent? Do you need to talk to somebody? 
I just want to lift you up. I'm not calling because I need anything. I'm not calling because I want anything. What can I do for you? How can I encourage you? We need one another. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider. I love this. Let's scheme. Let's plan. Let's, let's think about how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing nearer, which good grief is nearer today than it was yesterday. We need each other. Let's stir each other up. Here's why. Last verse for today, 1 Corinthians 8, 16. Because this whole thing about growing up in Jesus isn't just about knowledge. I love that the Apostle Paul air quotes. You know, he didn't actually write this with his hand. He spoke this to somebody else. So I wonder if he said knowledge. (laughs) Knowledge puffs up. We can know all the right answers to all the right questions, but it's love that builds up. What I believe God wants to see is his people being the builders. Living out the love of Christ in a divided and broken and tense time by seeking to build one another up. I'm going to close with with this idea. If you're not a big sports person, you might have to follow me here for a minute. But when I was in elementary, middle school, high school, and a little bit in college, I played basketball. And some of you know the last couple of years I've helped out at the school a little bit with coaching some basketball. But those of you who are sports people, what you know is you can tell what kind of a team a team is when you're getting your teeth knocked in. You know what I'm talking about? Like the score is just out of hand. You've gotten really cold. Like it's just a beating. You're playing a team that's bigger than you, faster than you, better than you, whatever. It's one of those games that you're like, oh, my word, how is it only (laughs) halftime? We've been here 17 hours. This is awful, right? And specifically watching young people, watching teenagers be in that moment where they're just getting beat up. You can tell so much about the team that doesn't turn on each other. You know what I'm talking about? Because we've watched this. And by the way, it's not just kids. I was watching the NBA playoffs a couple weeks ago. And one team was getting their teeth kicked in. And they're yelling at each other, running down the floor. That was your fault. No, it wasn't yours. And I'm like, what is middle school? You can tell a lot about the character of a team by whether they turn on each other or turn towards each other. Right? Oh, man, that's the way it's supposed to look like. They're, they're cheering each other on. They're encouraging each other. They're like, man, you got this. Don't worry. Keep shooting. You got it. We got your back. Hey, yeah. Man, that's one of the coolest things in the world to watch. When you're losing, still trying to build each other up. And here's the deal. This is an ugly season. And a whole lot of people around us feel like they're getting their teeth knocked in. A whole lot of people feel like the score is not in their favor right now. What if the people of God... Were the people that were like, hey, you got this. Hey, keep going. Hey, you're not losing. Hey, I'm here for you. What if we were the people simply living out? Man, if I've got eternal glory reserved for me in Christ, if that's my upward call, I can surely speak upward over you. I can surely speak life over you. If we are in the upward call of God, it calls us, it it demands that we call others up with us. That's the heart of God. And I believe he desires that that's the heart of his people.